I looked at courage and what that is to do with strength. And I looked at Joshua. God wants us to be strong. He wants us to be strong in heart. And he wants us to have courage, you know, to, to be successful. God wanted Joshua to be successful. And he said, if you follow my word, if you do what it says, you will be successful. God wants you to be successful. And there's a few things I put in there about being careful, be intentional, what do you want to do, decide, and you know, you can make a decision and go forward with what you want to do with your life. That was week one. Week two, I looked at Peter going on the water with Jesus, and I called it facing your fears. That you say, I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to do this, but courage isn't the absence of fear. It's actually the ability to face the fear and push through them and get over them. And I looked at the example of Peter with Jesus and getting Peter to face his fear when he steps on the water and his eye, he becomes distracted and he makes things up in his mind. He thinks he's a ghost. His mind goes wild. Our, our minds go wild when, when we get scared. Our emotions run away and we can create things. But I said, you know, when we fix our eyes on Jesus... He's the mighty arm. He's the one who lifted Jesus out. He's the one who conquered death. He's the one who overcomes for us. So when we face our greatest fear, which is death itself, we have one that's conquered it with his mighty arm and lifts us and gives us victory over it. But there's also victory over the smaller things that you face in life as you begin to focus your mind on Jesus and on what he thinks. So that was week two, which was facing your fears. Today, I'm talking about being, the courage to be, to be or not to? That is the question of today. Sorry, a little bit of Shakespeare in there. But I was going to act it out. I was going to get some people. I thought, no. You know, Sarah says, get a skull. You know, and it's, it's, it's Hamlet, isn't it? I'm getting it right. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm right, yeah? To be or not to be? That is the question for you today. Do you want to be or not be? Do you want to live or not live? I want to live. But you can just be in this world and not live. You know, Paul, when he looks in the scriptures, he talks about life, but he also talks about sin in this world. He also talks about believers sinning, and the consequence of those sins is death. He's talking about spiritual death. He's talking about stuff that doesn't produce life in this world. And we're here as Christians. If you're a believer this morning, as a Christian, you're here to be a carrier of the gospel, the good news. You have got life in you if you've received Jesus in your life. And God wants you to be who you are. Does anybody want to be this morning? Anybody want to learn how to be you? I remember when I was at school and uh, we had to sit down with the career people. I think I've told this before, but we had, there was these like boxes. And in the boxes, you had to tick certain things off. And then they gave you a card and they told you on the card what you were going to be. Or the ideal job for you. And I said, well, I, I, I quite, I'm quite active. You know, I've got a bit of energy. I don't want to sit at the desk. I struggle with that. Ask the staff, right? You know, I don't want to sit at the desk. I want to be outdoors. And um, I, I, yeah, I just, I want to keep busy. I want to be outdoors and, you know, that kind of thing. So they did the test and it came out, dustbin man. <laughs> I know, and I see the dustbin man now. I, he goes down the street when I catch him at the right time. That's another issue, putting bins out. We won't go there. But here's the deal, right? I see the dustbin man. I think, oh, I'd really like being a dustbin man. Something in me says, I'd love to be a dustbin man. Be outside in the warm weather, you know, getting rid of people's rubbish. And, you know, what, what a great way to serve people. And really, imagine I could have been a dustbin man, but actually that's really what I wasn't designed to be, I don't think. And I probably would have enjoyed it. But it's so easy, isn't it, to label us with things. This is what you are because this is what you do. This is who you are because this is your talent 
and this is your gift that you've got, and you to, to use it, you know, for the rest of your life. And if I'm not using it, then that's not who I am because I'm not using my gift and my talent. And I do think, there's, you know, we're here to use our gift and talent, but I think there's so much more to who God is, who he's made us to be, than just our gift and talent. You know, we, the Bible says we'll give account for our gifts and talents, what we do with them, but there's something more than your gift and talent. That's who you are as a human being, made in the image of God. Because let's face it, if you become a teacher and then you get to 65, 70 and they're getting older now, when you retire, does that mean that's not who you are anymore? I'm all insecure because I'm a teacher. No, you're not. You're not a teacher. You may have a gift to teach and you may have learned to teach, but that's not who you are. You may be a nurse and you may be a brilliant nurse, but that's not who you are. You may be a doctor and you're a brilliant doctor because you've got a heart for helping people and you've got a gift to do it, but that's not who you are. I remember having a a lunch. I was very fortunate to have a lunch with a a senior pastor who'd been a senior pastor for 35 years, Paul Scanlon from Life Church, and he was handing the church over and he said his biggest challenge was, I'm now no longer leading these people as their pastor and I don't know who I am anymore. Because for 35 years, this is all I've done, and this is all I've been. Now I don't know who I am. I thought, wow. I thought he got it all together, and he knew who he was. But he said, I was at to transition through this really difficult time to find God again and discover who I am. I'm not just a pastor. That's the gift on my life. I'm more than that. I'm more than a pastor. I'm more than a doctor. There's more to life. Because at the end of the day, those things can change. But I still look at the dustbin man and think, I'm sure I was called to be a dustbin man. And it was the career woman sitting me down and going through what I was good at and what I liked. But that's not who I am. Let's go to Genesis. It'd be good to go to the Bibles. Anybody want to discover who they are? Anybody want to be rather than not be? Philosophers, if you study it, or theologians, you'll see it's to do with being or non-being. Non-being, not existing. And that's to do with death, but it's to do with other things as well, like the fear or the anxiety of you not being good enough. How many of us think like that? The anxiety of your life being have no meaning or your, your life, you being lonely, nobody loves you. Or your life, the other essence of non-being is, well, I, I feel guilty or I condemn myself. That's where you can live in non-being. Does anybody want to live there? No, 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 I want you to live in the being. I want you to live where God made you to be. So let's look at Genesis and have a look at what he says. So let's read Genesis 1. I think it's good to go to the Bible to discover how God made us and how he wants us to live. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and day, the first day. Let's go on to the next verse further down. Verse 10. God called the dry, so he made the, he made the ground, then he said, God called the dry ground land and gathered waters. He called seas, and God saw that it was 
Good. Let's go to the next one. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Let's go on to the next one. To govern the day and night, and this is the, he, he, he made the moon, and he made the sun, the stars, and he said, and God saw that it was good. That's the next one. Very good. Not quite yet, but no. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which the water teems and moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Is this getting through yet? Next one, please. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that moved along the ground according to, and God saw that it was good. So in creation, God made whatever he made, he saw that it was good. Let's go on to the next one. God saw that it made, and it was, sorry, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. The only one thing that's been added to that was you and me, or human beings. So God made everything. Everything he saw, he said that it was good. Then he made people, you, me. And it says he made, he made man in his image. And when he looked at the world in all of its creation, with you added in there, he saw that it was finished and it was complete, and he said, that is very good. You see, when God made the world, everything he made... He made good. So how did God make the world? He imagined it in his mind. He had an image of what he wanted. He spoke it into being by the power of his word and his spirit. Because it said the spirit was hovering over the Spirit was there, the Father was there, and the Word was there. There was the Father, there was the Son, which we know is the Word of God, and then there was the Spirit that was the power of God that made it happen. What did he make when he looked at it? He said, he affirmed it with his Word, and he said, it is good. You know, when God looks at you in his image, he looks at you, and he says that you are good. Now, most of us, if we're honest, we look at ourselves and we don't think that at times, do we? Come on. Because we look at our own self. We look at our own failures. We look at our own faults. We look at the thing we should have done, but we didn't quite do right. And we feel guilty then. We put ourselves into non-being and we say, God's not pleased with me. But that's not what God said. God made man in his image and said, he is good. He completed the world, and he only completed the world with you in it. So when he completed it, he said, it is very good. Do you believe that you are very good? Come on, you're only going to be successful if you believe you're very good at something. And I don't mean about being a nurse or a doctor or whatever career you choose. I'm t talking about the heart that is within you. I'm talking about your belief in the image of God. God made me and said, I am very good. Some of you are getting this this morning. Are you with me? Do you believe you're very good? Do you believe you're good? Because if we dip into the other one, we'll go, ah, oh, I'm not very good. No, that's what you did. You made a mistake. That's not who you are in God. 
That's not who you are in God's image. That's not how God sees you through Jesus Christ and what he paid for you. He sees you as good. If you look at yourself and your failures, you'll begin to pull down like Peter did and not feel good. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus and what he's done for you, you'll begin to lift up your heart and be strengthened inside so that you can be who God's called you to be. So in Genesis, God made the world and said it was very good. Well, there's actually something else he did that caused it then to be successful. Let's read next scripture, Genesis 1.22. It says this, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. You got the next one. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish. So this is man. He said to man, I want you to fill the earth and rule. I want you to rule over the fish. I want you to rule over the birds and every living creature that moves on the ground. He said, fill the earth. You see, God, imagine if God had made the world and didn't fill it with anything. Imagine that. Or he just, he just produced one man, one woman, and said, that's it. Just exist together. Don't reproduce. You cannot fill it. Some of you are thinking, whoa, what a miss out that is. Imagine no kids. You were thinking of something else. Imagine no children. That's your mind. Sort it out. Yeah, imagine no children. Some of you are thinking, you don't know my kids yesterday. But here's the deal. Imagine not filling the world with all of the goodness of God and the glory of God. Imagine a world with no God's, none of God's goodness or none of God's glory in it, it just being empty. God did not make the world to be empty. He made it to be filled. God didn't make you to be empty and formless and meaningless. He made you to be filled with his goodness. God has filled you with his goodness. Sound full of God's goodness. Wow. Condemnation, you need to sit down and go away. Because there's none in my God. Why am I listening to that? I'm no good. Why am I condemning myself? My God says I'm full of goodness. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid for me. He's given me a new heart. He's given me his spirit. He's empowered me to be who God's called me to be. Now I'm full of good things. My life, say it, my life is full of good things. Now do you believe it? My life is full of good things. And I know there's some things that aren't so good, but ignore them, address them if you need to. But in your heart, you need a heart that's full of goodness. You need a heart that's life. That's why Rob this morning is saying, you focus on God. What it does is the little things that are niggling away at you begin to just dither away because you know that God is bigger than it. That's worship, church. You know, that's worship. It's your heart connecting to God. Man, do you know how big God is? He's way bigger than them things we were facing. Oh, they're not that big anymore. The anxiety's beginning to go down a little bit. But if all we ever do is focus on the, oh, I'm lonely. I'm going to be lonely for the rest of my life. And I'm going to be lonely because I'm struggling. But if we focus on God, who says, I will never leave you. I am your friend. Oh, 
oh, I've never left and I have a friend for the rest of my life. Whoa, my heart is full of good things. Well, most people go like this. Oh, I need a friend to fulfill me. I need a husband to fulfill this gap. I need a wife who's going to be amazing to fulfill this gap. I need a new car to fulfill. I need a career that's going to fulfill this gap. And then you get them and you realize they don't. But if at the center of who you are, you have God as the Lord of your heart. Jesus said the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. See, we get muddled up by letting things in our hearts. They're called idols that we worship and we think they're going to give us something, but we get them and we go, they didn't give them what they promised. Why? Because they're an idol that we worship and it falls short and doesn't give life. So we live in non-being because it's not giving a life-giving spirit that God promises because we fix our eyes on these things that give us the things that we don't want. Are you with me this morning? This is good teaching. God's good. So you've got to get your eyes on God and begin to say, this is what I believe. When God made the world, he didn't leave it empty. He filled it with good things. Now, I know sin came and, and, and deceived man that God wasn't good and there was other things that were kept from him. So man chose that and sin entered and corrupted us, corrupted each one of us and tells lies to us that we're not good enough. And puts us down. And then we put other people down because we're insecure. I know that's there. But in God, there's a new opportunity and a new life for us. To fulfill us by his spirit being poured out into our hearts. So it gives us a new confidence and a new power in God. I am accepted. I am loved. God is well pleased with me. But many of us still live in the world and we look for it. Because our flesh demands it and it's emotion going everywhere and it wants it now and I've got no patience to wait for God. And God's saying, I want you to wait for me. I'm coming, my mighty hand. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. And all of a sudden we're going off this way. God's saying, no, 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 just wait on me. Take courage, take heart, wait on the Lord. Hope in me and I will show you and I will reveal myself to you. Come on. I want more of God. This church needs more of God. This community needs more of God. We need a hunger and a fresh passion. There's a fresh passion coming into this church for God. I know, because it's coming to my heart for God. So some of you are going to either hear it and do nothing, or some of you are going to hear it and go, I catch that, I want more of God. I'm going to be at the prayer meeting. Who's going to stop me? Come on. You don't have to be. But you can say, you know what, I want to catch what God's doing here. I believe in the goodness of God. And some things maybe entered your heart that have disappointed you and discouraged you. It happens to us all. But it's time to notice them and say, no more disappointment, no more discouragements. I'm believing in the goodness of God again. The devil wants to rob you of a fulfilled life and a successful, successful life in your marriage, in your home, in your workplace. He wants to put doubt in your heart to, and to doubt the goodness of God. So then you struggle to embrace church. You struggle to embrace relationships because of this disappointment that's in your heart. You've been hurt. But it's time to go again, church. I'm sorry, I'm a bit off thing here, but Jesus Christ died on that cross. He was not disappointed at the first whip. He wasn't disappointed at the second whip. He just kept getting nine, whatever they were, because I forgot the nine, cat and nine tails. All right, skin was ripped off him. He didn't say, I'll give up on the church. No, he says, I'm coming again. I'm coming again because the goodness of God is in me and I'm not giving up. <laughs> My life is full of Good things. 
Take your eyes off the things that you haven't got. Believe for them, desire them, but fill your heart with that. My life is full of good things. Begin to thank God for them. God, I thank you for the kids in my life. I thank you for my job. I thank you for the oxygen that I'm breathing. Whatever it is today, I thank you in my heart that my life is full of good things. And you know, and there'll be days when you get disappointed in things, but come back to it again. No, my life is full of good things. Positive confession of who God is. So let's look three things. I know you're thinking, well, what do we do? Three things for you to do. It's really simple. Really simple. Because I'm simple. Give me complicated stuff, I give it to Sarah. I do. Think good. Number one. Think good. It's really simple. How's my life gonna, how am I gonna be all that God's got me, wants me to be? How am I gonna be successful? Think good. Acknowledge the thing that the errors, acknowledge your mistakes, learn from them, but think good. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, God brings good out of all things. He doesn't, he doesn't say, let's not talk about the things that have gone wrong. He acknowledges them that the things are going wrong, but he says, but I'm gonna believe in God that God brings good out of this. What's the lesson that I'm learning in this? He's thinking good. It's very good, yeah, thank you. God's good. Let's read what, this is, this is David dealing with his non-being so that he begin, begins to be who he is in God again. He says this in um, 25, isn't it, Baz? Psalm 25. And I love this because, you know, David recognizes his weakness. He recognizes he's a sinner, but he recognizes who God is as well. And he comes back to God and he says this, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. And then he says this, because he recognizes a sinner. He recognizes he makes mistakes. He says this, according to your love, remember me. Wow. Wow. I know I've got faults, God. I know I make mistakes, God. I know I'm messing up. I know I haven't, you know, I'm not doing that. But God, just remember me according to your love. For you, Lord, are good. It's there. Made in the image of God. Your image of who God is connected to you is understanding who God is. God is good all the time. You know the phrase, if you, you know, know that phrase, all the time. God is God. God, God I've lost it now, right? God is good all the time. He is. I remember going to school, right? And um, that's a funny thing, isn't it? 20 odd, 20 odd years ago, you remember going to school? Primary school. I remember having school dinners for the first time. Oh, torture. They terrified me. I was fussy with food anyway. You know, I had spread cheese on sandwiches. That was it. Nothing else. Or tomato sauce. Mum, just put tomato sauce on the bread. That's it. I don't want anything else. Got to be sweet. Go to school, right? And they've got these pineapple chunks. Right? Cheese. Cheese on a stick with pineapple. What's that about? Chunk of cheese and a chunk of pineapple. And my experience with this pineapple was like, you've got to eat it. I like, I like cheese, but I don't like pineapple. Eat them both. You're not going out until... I'm like, I love going out. I'm a bin man guy, me. I, I got to get outside. Right? You're not going out until you eat it. So I'm eating this like soggy cardboard on a stick with a chunk of cheese. And I'm trying to leave them and put two chunks of pineapple together so they don't notice. So they think, but I think I've got to eat it all. And I eat them. And I'm eating this vile. It's vile. Who puts pineapple in tins? I do apologize if you work in a factory and do that. But you know, it's just like, that was my experience of pineapple, soggy like cardboard. And then I went to Uganda. Woo! And they said to me, Paul, eat pineapple. I'm like, I don't like pineapple. I'm traumatized by it. Stick, 
coming at me, attacked by a woman with a big long, you know, big cloak on, like dinner lady thing, attacking me with a stick with a pineapple on the end that tasted cold. They say, no, Paul, you take pineapple. I'm like, I better do like I'm a guest. So they slice it like I've never seen anybody slice one. I'm like, he's a ninja pineapple, dude. He, I just the pineapple in front of me. It's like long. I'm like, that doesn't look like soggy cardboard. And I taste it. And it's like electrifying going through my body. This isn't pineapple. He's like, Paul, that is pineapple. It's called Nanansi. I'm like, I know I say I like Unjigala Nanansi. That's what I like now. I'm like, Unjigala Nanansi. And I'm running like, this is pineapple. What I tasted before wasn't pineapple. And how many of us do that in church or with God? You have an experience, you say that was God because it was church. No, it's not. It's soggy cardboard. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Get some real pineapple. Get your own pineapple off God. You're not having mine. I'm giving you some pineapple today. I've been praying for you. I've been seeking God. God's turned up by the grace of God and given me some pineapple for you to inspire you for your week to tell you that you have the goodness of God in your life. You've got more than pineapple, baby. You've got every fruit that was in the garden and you know the one not to touch. Come on, there's boundaries and let's live wild. God's filled your life with good things. Begin to think good. God's filled my life with good things. Think good. David says, remember not my sin, God. I don't want to live not existing anymore and be condemned. This is before he's got Jesus, right? But he knows that God is good. And he says, remember me according to your love because you are good. (gasps) Wow, there's a chance with God, even when David messes up, because his heart is for God. Think good. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, this is a well-known scripture. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, these things are lovely, whatever things are good, of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think is what is pure. Think is what is good. Remember the goodness of God. Think on these things. So number one, you've got to have a mindset that says, God is good, and I'm going to think on good. If you do that, you'll see people differently. And if you operate in the flesh, you'll get offended. And you'll put up a barrier. I talked about it last week. You put masks there that people, and you struggle to connect then. And then next minute, you're leaving church because of, you're taking offense. But we're here not to, not to take offense at people. We're here to forgive people so that we stay connected with people and we stay connected with God. You can't have church, you can't have church without, you can't have God without church, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Sorry, it doesn't work. And it doesn't work because of this. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. The the, the closest thing to you is church. It's the body of Christ. You know, Jesus died for it, so don't give up on it. Right? Persevere with it. So think good. Next thing is this, speak good. Come on. I love being around those people. I'm not always great at this, I'll be honest. I can focus on negative things and Sarah will tell me and bring me back in line. And, you know, I'm not perfect at this. None of us are. But I just know those people I'm around who speak good. I love being around them. Mike Sison at the back. 
I tell you, that guy is a faith man. He knows God's goodness and he speaks good when he's around me and I go away feeling good. I'm not always great at that. I make mistakes. I'm learning. I say the wrong things. You know, Mandy at the front here. Yeah, man, there's a good report in everything with Mandy. I mean, good news. That's what we're about, aren't we? We're the church of good news, yet we focus on stuff that's not good. We begin to speak about it. Begin to moan to that person instead of going talk to them face to face and dealing with the issue. Or we put it on Facebook, but that's another thing. Face to face, not Facebook. Talk to them. Have the conversation. That's what's right. That's what's noble. That's what's good. Think on these things and operate correctly. And you'll see why in a minute. So speak good. David says this. I love it. Psalm 23. And he says at the end of his psalm, after, you know, God is with him. He's refreshed him. He's taken him through dark valleys. He's been with him. And then he says this. I love it. Surely, that means he's confident. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Positive confession, because he knows who God is. He knows he goes through things, but he's going to hold on to who God is. That surely, certainly, I am going to see the goodness of the Lord. That love, sorry, that's the wrong one. That goodness and love will follow me always, because he's focusing on God. Positive confession. God's never leaving me. Well, I feel all funny. That doesn't matter. What does God say? I'll never leave you. Positive confession. God is with me. Speak good. I've given you one phrase. My life is full of good things. I tell you, if you live by that for the rest of your life, you'll be a great person to be around. It's the gospel. How are we going to connect with good news and the gospel if we're not carrying the gospel? If we're not full of the goodness of God and people think, oh, that's different. That's the good news. Because you're full of the gospel, you're full of good news, which is Jesus Christ. Psalm 27 says this. And this is after David is going through some difficulties. Look, it says, do not, do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me. He's having a difficult time. You know, he should be king. And this is coming against him. People, and it says, spouting malicious accusations at him. And then he says this, I remain confident <laughs> of this. I love him. He's so real, yet he comes back to his faith in God. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not in the land of the dead, in the land of the living. Is anybody alive in here? Come on, you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David says, I'm confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take it to heart, and wait for the Lord. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David went through many things, many things came at him, but he kept God within his heart. He kept his trust in the goodness of God in his heart. So, think good, speak good. And the last one is the most important thing. Without this one, it doesn't become a reality to you and me. It's just words, as James says in the book of James, he talks about faith without works is dead. If you don't, if you don't grab this one, it won't be alive in you. Do you want it? And you know what it is. Embody. Good. 
I used embody because I was going to use think, you know, speak and act. But then I thought, well, acting, we can all act, can't we? We can all put on a face. We can all pretend. We can all say we believe in God and confess it. But when it comes down to substance, we have to embody it. We have to become what we are saying. It has to become a substance. David understood this. David faced many trials and many tribulations, but he kept that substance within his heart. So when malicious stuff was coming at him, what did he do? Did he pray... Did he reply or repay it with malicious stuff? No. He repaid it by focusing on God, and he repaid it with goodness. You know, in the New Testament, he says this, do not repay evil with evil, but evil with, there you go, you know it. You know what it says. You probably know the word more than me. But doing it is another thing, isn't it? But if we as believers don't just think it, don't just speak it, but we actually respond, what we're doing is we're cementing God's word in our hearts. It's becoming alive and living. And David had a confidence in the word of God. He didn't let go of God, but he kept it in his heart. He was tested and refined to the point when he was given responsibility in life. He could now govern well with a good heart. Yes, he made mistakes, but he was embodying the word of God. When you go work and somebody says something wrong about you, you've got to embody the word of God. You've got to say, I'm going to respond with goodness. I'm going to respond with goodness. The other option is respond with evil or put them down or you know, moan about them to somebody else. What you're doing is you're going with what's called the flesh that just produces death. But if you go with the spirit, it's going to produce life in you and it's going to circle something different in your job. I listened to somebody this week who said they were pressurized to do something that wasn't right, and they're not going to do it. Good on you. Good on you. Make a stand and do what's right. Be honest. You're being honorable. You're doing what's right. Don't give in to the pressures or the desires that come up in you that are not good, but embody God's word. Come on, we need some people of substance in the church that says, I'm going to embody God's word. I'm going to do what it says. I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to bless people. I'm going to see the goodness of God in people. I'm going to be the church that God's calling me to be. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give into this because it's good to give. God's told me it's good for my heart to give. So he says it's it's good to give. So I'm going to give because it's good to give, not because I have a duty to give, because God is in my heart and I just love God and I'm going to give because it's good to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to seek the lost. I'm going to keep doing it because God says it's good. I'm not just going to think on it. I'm not just going to speak it. I'm going to do it and embody it as the body of Christ. Come on. Embody good. I'm going to read what it says in Philippians because we all like the bit that says think on these things. Ready? I missed a little bit off for you. The verse 9. Can we read it please, Baz? Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice. I missed that bit off for you. Just sort of give you a little bit of time to think on those things. It's no good just thinking or speaking it. We have to act on it. You have to put it in practice. And this is why. This is what David grasped and understood. This is what Paul understood and grasped. He says this, and the God of peace will be with you. (gasps) 
How can David be in all turmoil and malicious stuff against him, yet still be at peace? How? Because in his own heart, he'd done what God wanted him to do. Therefore, he was confident that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. He was confident because the peace of God was with him in his heart. He'd not let go of it and let something else in. He'd not begin to spout off stuff. He'd not used his fists and done something with it to knock people down and then feel condemned and bad and not confident in God now because he condemned himself. That's the non-being. He'd chosen to put God first in his heart and do it. This is what this is talking about. Paul's saying, if you think on these things, then put them into practice, you'll have peace. If you have pressure at work in a situation where you're being forced to do something what's wrong, don't do it. Do what's just and what's right. Treat people right. Treat people good. And in your heart, you'll have a confidence in God. You will have the courage to be as you do what the Word says and discover a new confidence in God. I think that's good. Think good, speak good, embody good. Eugene Peterson wrote this. He says, we never know how good we can look. There's any good-looking people in here? Oh, two at the front. Two at the front. Are there any good-looking people in here? Oh, an amen at the back, maybe. I just preached for 35 minutes on the goodness of God and that you are full of good, but you're telling me that you aren't good. Are there any good-looking people in here? I'm not talking about when you look in the mirror. I'm talking about in your heart. Got me. (laughs) For some people, it takes a little bit to go through and into the heart. Because we look in our minds, don't we? We look at ourselves and compare. I'm not good looking. God says, you are, because I poured my goodness out for you. I gave my son for you. To deal with that guilt, that condemnation, that you're not meaning, your life means nothing, or you're lonely. I paid for that. I know what it is to be lonely on a cross. I know what it is to be condemned on a cross. I know what it is to to everybody thinks that my life is meaningless. I paid for that. I paid for that sin on the cross. I took it once, twice. I took the nails and I paid for that condemnation on the cross so that you are no longer condemned, but your life has purpose and meaning and you can be full of my goodness now. I've paid for the sin over your life once and for all. You are now complete in me. Wow. I don't need anything else. When God made the world, he said that it was good. When he put you into the mix... He said, it's very good. Woo, it's now complete. Wow. You in your home, you complete it. You in your job, you complete it. You in church, you complete the body. You complete it by you fully being you as you are. Eugene Peterson says this, we never know how good we can look. Any good looking people in here? Come on. We never know how good we can look, how delightful we can feel. (laughs) Or how strong we can be until we experience being lovingly addressed by God or by one who represents God's love to us. You see, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to do this. Love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't separate one from the other. We need people to love people. 
People come with all messes. We all come with it, brokenness. But God's called us to love one another. You say, well, what do you want me to do? Here are a few things. I'm going to finish with this for you to do. Have you got that scripture? Have you got 1 Peter? 2 Peter 1, verses 1 to... uh, Okay, this is Peter, who we know fell, fell short of God's glory, and God rescued him. He said, grace and peace, there it is again, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, we have, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then he says this, This is what I want to encourage you to do these things. Listen to them. Put these in your life. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So Peter, who'd felt condemned, not good enough, Jesus came to him by the grace of God. He comes to me on three occasions. Once when he calls him, secondly when he's on the the water, and then when he feels bad after he's rejected Jesus, he comes to him again. None of us can come to Jesus. Jesus comes to us, by the way. Jesus first came to us, and he comes here, and he says this. This is what I want you to add to your faith, goodness. Add goodness. Add moral excellence to your life and to knowledge, sorry, and to goodness, knowledge of who Jesus is. I find sometimes people, you know, they want to add knowledge to their lives before they add goodness. You've got to add goodness. You've got to search your heart and say, I'm, I want, I've got a good heart. I want to help people. I want to help wherever I can with the goodness of God because what God has done for me. You need your heart to be good. As you begin to do good, you begin to see God's goodness in you coming out. Then you add knowledge to it of who God is. Then it says self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How can you grow in those things? Where does it start? With the goodness of God. God's been good to me, so I'm going to do good. That's up to you. You don't have to. But I want to encourage you, if you want to be you want the courage to be who God's called you to be, add the goodness of God to your heart and begin to do good. Other things you can add, perseverance, brotherly kindness, love. There are a few things we can add in order to grow in the goodness of God so that we can embody God's goodness as we share that goodness, that it isn't just ours. We're not just thinking on it. We're not just talking about it. We actually demonstrate it as a body of Christ. Why? Because he first loved us. And last scripture, I am finished. Galatians 6. For some people maybe going through some stuff. Some people maybe done good before and thought, you know why? Why do I bother? This is what Paul writes. And Paul's been through enough stuff to know and to hold on to the goodness of God. He's an inspiration. He says this, let us not become weary in doing good. Doing good isn't easy, church. It's easy to do the other where we just go off our feelings and our flesh and get a quick fix. But doing good takes substance. It takes perseverance. It takes faithfulness. And he says this, do not, sorry, let us not become weary in doing good. Come on. 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, Jesus Christ is the greatest inspiration for doing good. He didn't give up. It didn't look good. Dying on a cross. The disciples were confused. There was doubt all with all of them. They wondered what had happened. But he did not give up in doing good. To the point of death, when everybody rejected him, crucified him on a cross, he didn't give up in doing good. To the point then, we know the story that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised him from the dead so that he could produce a harvest that was far greater than any harvest that has ever been seen. A harvest of good news, a harvest of the gospel, that Jesus is alive, that those who believe in him shall not die but shall live, that sins are forgiven, that we can be a new creation and have a new start in life. He did not grow, grow weary in doing good, but he did it with everything that was in him. We're going to pray. And I want to pray. Ask the band in a second. Just wait a second, man, and then we'll, I'll get you to come up. I want to pray. And this is what I feel to do. Where people are sitting, I want you to respond in your hearts. You know where you're at. You know the things that are spoken to you through this message. You know, you may feel a challenge to say, come on, your heart before God now needs to be sorted. Maybe things have got in, in the way. You started off well, but things began to tangle and get in the way, and you need God to untangle those things for you. Or maybe you, you know, you've been doing good and you grow weary, but it's time to be refreshed by God. And I'm going to pray where you are. I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you, will minister to you, and you're going, to re- you're going to receive a refreshing, you're going to receive the goodness of God for the season that you're in. You're going to be restored in a way that only God can do that. And I'm not going to get you down the front here. It's going to be where you are right now. So let's just, let's stand. You know, if you want to, you can put your hands out as a form of receiving But I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in you. Give you a courage to be who you're called to be. See the goodness of God in your life again. So Father, we just pray right now. I just pray for everybody in this room as their hearts hunger for you and desire you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen them. That you would give them your peace and your presence. That they would have a confidence in you like David had. Surely I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So Father, we just pray right now. Pray for each person in this room to connect with you. Maybe people don't know you in this room for the first time. They can respond to connect with you where they're at right now. So Father, we just release your spirit in the lives of people right now. There we go. Receive. Some of you need to receive. Come on. Some of you think you're not good enough to enter into God's presence. Now that's a lie because actually you don't get into God's presence because of you you get into God's presence because of Jesus Christ and some of you are looking at yourselves your own faults your failures and thinking I'm not good enough no you're not in that you need to focus on God's goodness Jesus died for you that so he could be at one with you he could dwell in you you can't do that only God can do it 
So I pray right now for people to receive. Come on, receive the goodness of God where you're at. Refreshing, refreshing strength. Some of you are encouragers and you forgot what it's like to encourage people. You need to pick yourself up again and say, I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going to be one who strengthens. I'm going to be one who breathes life into this body. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do whatever it takes, God. Some of you, I believe, are encouragers. You've got a gift of encouragement to encourage the body, and you've kind of put it down and thought, well, I'll wait and see. No, 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 no more waiting. It's time to encourage in this body. It's time to build. It's time to strengthen. God's not going to do it for you, but he will give you confidence in him. But he asks you to step out and embody what's in you. Now, some of you have got eyes of faith to believe. You need to pray. Some of you have got the eyes of faith to believe for this church to pray. To pray for me and Sarah. To pray for the wider body. Some of you have got a gift to pray for this church to believe the goodness of God. So, Father, I just pray for each person right now that they would know your goodness. Man, can I ask you, come on. You know, and one more thing, remember that. My life is full of good things. Don't allow doubt in there. But have a life of faith that believes on the goodness of God, speaks it out, and embodies it. I think we're going to finish one song, and then we're done. Is that okay? You know, if some of you are here and maybe you've got some wrestles in your mind, I'd like to pray for you. Because I believe in the power of God. I believe God sets people free. And sometimes we need to lay on hands and believe for people to get set free. And I just sense this morning there's a couple of people in here. Possible that you may want that or need that this morning. Your choice, okay? So the band are going to play. Remember, God is good and my life is full of good things. Thank you.